special power. Everyone has something they're passionate about. Everyone is a subject matter expert. Here at Nerdmasters, we help you share your expertise. In our digital world, we Toastmasters must master basic communication technologies in conjunction with speaking and leadership skills. We formed the Nerdmasters Advanced Club to expand our understanding of technology so we can better serve our clubs and our communities. We are Nerdy Toastmasters, enthusiastically exploring the intersection of technology, leadership, communication, and nerdly pop culture. Welcome to the Nerdcasters Podcast. Game begin. Hello and welcome to Nerdcasters. I almost slammed together like three other podcast titles because I do different podcasts. This is my third podcast recording of the week (laughs) of three separate different podcasts. So I got it right. We are Nerdcasters right now, and we are from the Nerdmasters, Toastmasters Club, and I'm here as your new host. Uh, Robert had his stint as four, and I'm now your host for the next four episodes. And we have Sherry coming on, Sherry Simmons, as our my co-host for this month and next month. And this month's guest is John Stopchick, all of whom are also members of Nerdmasters. So welcome, Sherry. Welcome, John. And I'm Thank really looking you. for this particular episode of talking as a Nerdmaster Spotlight. Thank so you. Tell, us, tell us a little bit about yourself, John. Like what's, what's, your, what's your stick? What's your thing? What's, what interests you? And a bit of your narrative in relation to that. Well, thank you for asking. So I am a software engineer by trade. I, I build programs. I build apps for phones. Uh, more less so now than I used to. These days, I'm, I'm managing a software engineering team, and uh, our developers do a great job of, of putting forward all these new tools and apps. And I I more or less direct those things most of the time nowadays. But I still I still get my hands wet in the in the the code fields. For Can't get away from it. No, <laughs> well, never want to. <laughs> Yeah, who would want to give that up? It's, it's the ability to, I'm a maker by trade and I, I can't help but be a maker. Uh, and uh, I work for a uh, civil engineering company where we deal with a lot of environmental science, a lot of groundwork, things related to environmental remediation, geology. Uh, my favorite thing is sort of, for example, predicting where water flows will go for, for salmon habitation which is to me one of the coolest things ever so it's there's a real practical element it's not just all in the ether it's it's real uh tangible benefits from code using the digital world to understand our physical world better absolutely absolutely i love that relationship i Mm -hmm. i want to see a a physical response to what i build yeah uh yeah so that's that's in a nutshell very fantastic that is super 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 cool thank you yeah, that's amazing. So are any of the of the software products that you have created, are they available to just people in general or are they all business to business? Sometimes uh, in the past more so when I originally came on, our company was trying to do a sort of startup uh, an analog to a startup concept, uh, start creating software for for third parties, clients, people out in the world. Uh, one thing we had built for a while there was we were working with the Washington State, and we built a, a, a what was called like Washington Water Cruiser, and you could actually 
go out onto the sea and look up different locations on your phone of resources, uh, bathrooms, restaurants, different sort of locations while you were out on sea and access those. Although that's not around these days. That was one of the early projects and something uh-huh. I loved working on for, it was around for about five or six years. And then uh, also I, I actually got, uh, I actually got one of my, my tools up on the web uh, recognized on a Hawaii news station once. It was a whale tracker and it was, it would show the, the location of different whales and how they moved around an island. Uh, that's that was so cool. A, it was fun it was a glorified tech demo but apparently people loved it i even uh, adapted uh wind flow lines so you could see the the lines that uh, representing the, the flow of wind and uh also uh sea sea surface movement so you could see how whales would move in relation to sea surface movement which was super cool in my opinion because you you could actually see that the whales would they don't work directly against sea movement but they actually work with it uh, when they when they actually swim around in the sea, which was something I didn't I didn't understand or know before building this product. Uh, again, it was you, you learn so much through really good quality data visualization like that. Oh yeah, I that's I so cool. Yes, absolutely, uh, and also that the world is very unpredictable is what you learned really quickly, <laughs> which obviously leads to bugs and issues and all kinds of pain points. But it's all it's all in good spirit because you you learn a ton. I mm-hmm. I don't so many weird little esoteric factoids not not enough to be like a chemist or anything but tons of little chemistry facts about what's in the ground uh the short answer is you know it, the ground is a really dirty place go figure <laughs> <laughs> all that dirt huh <laughs> oh yeah and uh, a lot of businesses you know their their stuff seeps into the ground mm-hmm. naturally that plays into what i do at work again but uh you know, that's, that's definitely not where it started out. That's not why I got into this stuff, but I'm really Tell us happy. more about that then. Like, wh- how, where did you, where did all this begin? Like, when did you first get interested in technology and these intersections? Like, what's, what's your origin story? Well, <laughs> I'm always hesitant to say this, but it's actually, it goes way back. When I was about five or six years old, I saw the movie Short Circuit. And now- have I seen that, that one? Movie, Yes, it's about yeah. a robot named Johnny yeah. Five. Yeah, okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with it. Yes, yes, I, it's on my list. I haven't watched it yet, though. And I remember wanting to build this Lego Johnny Five and thinking to myself, that that's not enough. I want him to do things on his own, mm-hmm. which naturally led me down the path of, well, how do you, how do you imbue ideas into a machine? Well, that's programming. Mm-hmm. And so that took me into programming and i really i didn't get too far into it early on i you know i lived in a small country town and a lot of there wasn't a lot of resources for building computers we didn't really have a computer in my house until i was about 16. Mm -hmm. and uh, that computer was this old 1988 dell slow old computer you know i was it was already nearly the year 2000 and this computer was 12 years old it was not a a powerful machine but it allowed me to get some foundation and then i i would you know scrimp and save i'd I'd go around town collect cans uh, eventually doing things like that i was able to pick up a few parts make a nicer newer computer and then it just becomes a cycle if you've ever built a computer then you know it's you're constantly upgrading until you have to replace the main pieces and then you're upgrading that indefinitely and so you know i learned to build a computer and then i 
I started going online when I realized I could sneak into the college campus at Morrisville. And I would so I'd go to the college library. Old school was, hacking. What was that? Old school hacking. <laughs> was pulling the ethernet cable out of the back of the computer so it didn't have any of the security and, and plug it back in and yeah yeah i mean i mean that was technically old school hacking but yeah that, yeah it was hacking, but knowing the, the exploits of the machine <laughs> but it was a really foundational experience learning these little tricks and and getting in and and learning to work with these machines allowed me to, to start figuring out things about the web. And I realized that the web was where the future was going. So I went to college naturally to, for programming, but I focused on web development. And so for a while there, I, I was uh, learning all of this. And then after college, I actually worked for uh, an outsourced company for TurboTax. I did help tech support TurboTax while I was trying to find my feet. And so I found a job doing web development for this wonderful place, uh, Raven Glass Technologies, now called Metis Consulting Group. Uh, great individuals work there. And they, they were, it was a super educational. I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I learned so much, including getting a love of scotch. Uh, and <laughs> working there, they uh, I, I learned some some programming languages I hadn't worked with. It's called Cold Fusion. It's built on Java for the code people out there. And that really gave me a, a, a new foundation, a foundation of experienced coding. And I wanted to move out of Syracuse, New York, where I originally was from. I wanted to travel the country, see, learn, live in a new, a new location. My wife wanted the same thing. So I applied to a bunch of places. And uh, during this period, I was learning mobile phone development because that's where the technology was going after the web. You know, the next step was the iPhone and all of that. And finally, finally, uh, the first place I applied to, in fact, uh, when I went on this new journey was this, this company I work for, GeoEngineers. <laughs> and they sent me a response geez, like two months later, actually. I, I'd applied to probably 50 or 60 places, but then they responded, uh, among many others. And when I saw what they wanted to do, this whole startup idea, this, this concept of embracing mobile web and making cool apps, tools, and widgets, I thought that's a really great way to diversify and learn how to do a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. So finally I said, okay, yeah, let's interview. And I went through, I think five different interview calls and they flew me out on the fifth one. And after a bunch of back and forth and proving to them, I'm not crazy. They <laughs> said, okay, yeah, we'll hire you. You're going to have to get across the country. If you're comfortable doing that, we'll, we'll totally do it. And so me and my wife, we packed up the car, we got a U-Haul truck. Uh, it was the, it was late winter. It was like January, early February. I believe. <laughs> I'd been a little late. No, it was April. It was April because it was, it was, there was very, there was still a little snow, but uh, I remember our neighbor coming over, kicking my tire, seeing the U-Haul truck and going, I don't think you're going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> Great encouragement. Total. Oh, this guy was, this guy was full of gems like that, <laughs> but we left, we outran a couple of snowstorms. In fact, but otherwise, the hardest part of the trip was dealing with our cats meowing in the backseat. <laughs> so a week later, we land in Seattle. We, we have an apartment for a year. So, so uh, you, did you go all the way from New York all the way through to Washington then? Yes, sir. Yes, we took an I-90 and I-80 and kept on that trail and came all the way across. The I've country. done half that journey coming from Washington to North Dakota here. That's a long drive. About 3,000 <laughs> miles, yes. Yeah. yeah. But it was a great adventure. I, I got oh yeah, to totally. 
Nebraska, uh, Idaho, Utah, and mm -hmm. the different natural environments, the different locations. Mm -hmm. the, you, you're going through a bunch of different biomes. Yeah. So you take in a bunch. And a, a friend of mine who used to be a truck driver would say, oh, you know, every state has something interesting we can see. And mm -hmm. after that trip, I have to reiterate it. Yes, absolutely. Totally. And, my most prominent one is that Nebraska is really flat. Now living in Washington with all the, mount, the mountain and all the forests and the hills, I feel comfortable. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the whole trek from youth Super to adulthood. Cool. Super cool. Well, let's go to Toastmasters. Mm. Yeah. How, how is that? assisted you in your journey either in your personal life or your professional life indeed i think it's assisted me in quite a few ways first of all it forces me to push myself mm -hmm. i i like to to try to jump into things when someone says hey who wants to volunteer for this task i i used to be super hesitant about doing that sort of thing when i was younger so as, as an adult i i've learned to break myself out of that comfort zone and even if i don't want to do something I'll still volunteer. Mm -hmm. And that forces me to have to learn. A great example is the Toastmasters contests. I was fretting about doing a Toastmasters contest. In fact, I was asked if I wanted to host one. And I eventually said, okay, yes, yes, I'll do it. I'll do it. Not knowing what that entailed and that I'd be reading a bunch of pages of rules and having to organize a bunch of judges and ballot counters and all these different roles. But because it was new and I didn't know what it entailed, it was exciting. And also it, it taught me to build a contest. It taught me all these little uh, little details that I had never considered. And uh, bringing it back a little bit, what got me into Toastmasters was that there was this one club, BG's Toastmasters, shout out to that club. If you ever want a fun and honest and courageous club, that's one to go for. They, they would hold sessions every, Friday, Friday at noon at the, the company office. And I had no idea what they were about. This was three years ago-ish. And when, when uh, I, right around the time I was promoted to being a manager, my boss asked me if I was interested in joining any clubs or building any new learning, uh, uh, finding new learning techniques. And I, I asked about Toastmasters and they said, yeah, well, we actually would like to have someone from geoengineers representing us down there now too. And so it was a natural fit. And I ended up going to the club as a guest for I think two, two meetings. I met some really cool individuals there. Some of whom I, I still am in touch with one. In fact, I still play Dungeons and Dragons with, <laughs> and I loved it. It was a great experience. And I loved the idea of learning to public speak, but, when I did my first speech, my, my icebreaker, I, I, my, my right leg wouldn't stop shaking. I was so scared. Mm -hmm. And after it was done, all I could think was, that wasn't that bad. That was, that was fun. I got to give my, and I actually told the story of traveling across the country in a bit of detail, uh, with, which in only five minutes is not a lot of detail at all. No, but it's a natural story for that. Absolutely. And so by going to that, I learned to stand up and be able to talk to a lot of people at once in a way that I never had before. I've, I've been part of clubs where I was able to stand up and have to speak to them, but it was always as a, as a function of the club more than as a personal development experience. With Toastmasters, you can talk about yourself. You can talk about what motivates you, what you're scared of, what you're interested in. 
And that's a very intimate thing to do. Toastmasters enables that. And yeah. as a manager, I need to be able to, to give uh, honest feedback, honest impressions of what I'm feeling. And I also need to be able to be given feedback from people. I need to be able to have a certain uh, humble inquiry into mm -hmm. what I'm doing and, and get that back from people. Uh, I'm stealing that term from one of our management books that I'm trying to remember the name of it. Unfortunately, it's, it's lost on me. You're totally right though that you're receiving feedback is just as much a skill as providing feedback. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Toastmasters does provide ample opportunity for both of those. The evaluations are the heart and soul of Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. And so having that give and take is so critical. And, that, and you're describing there with the, uh, the inviting space for being able to share what you're passionate about, what your values are, talking about yourself, not just work presentations. Having that, that space there for that creates a, safe, a, a emotional safety in the club. Yes. Right? And when you're doing these evaluations and you're sharing that thing, it emphasizes that part of the culture. So when you have a healthy evaluation culture in a club, you know, with a healthy emotional safety environment at club, which makes it so much more powerful for growth. I think in general, yes. And more specifically, in, especially if you're taking on professional or management roles, I'm a very casual yes. person by nature. I, I'm an extrovert, I'm loud, I'm boisterous. I like to get together with games and have, a, have food with my friends and host parties, that kind of thing. But these are people I know. These are people who... I, I know aren't going to be hypercritical of the situation. As a manager, I have to I, I have to both be able to give feedback to my team members and frankly, not done enough and more importantly, I have to be able to take said feedback and take it to heart and learn and grow to make my team more comfortable and happier and better at what they do. I need to create an environment where I can listen to them and get out of the way and at the mm -hmm. same time, give them feedback. And that communication is... I've, I'm learning more and more as a rare commodity. I, I, I constantly hear from my friends about how their managers are terrible because they don't listen or they don't provide feedback or, uh, or, or they're, they'll just be given the wrong hours or, or things of this nature. And just having that mindfulness, having that ability to learn to listen. And now I, you're, you get to hear me talk here today, but something that really resonates with me as I'm getting older is, you know, you have two ears and one mouth and I'm supposed to listen twice as much. And as a manager and as someone who's gone to Toastmasters, that, that holds so true with me. I, I truly believe in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, as it reminds me of a story um, in Toastmasters, and this is before my time. It was the president of, of the club that I joined um, in Washington. And uh, it was, she mentioned it from before. And there was a gal who was coming to the meetings and she never gave a table topic. She never had a role. She never gave a speech. Um, she didn't do it. She just sat there and watched every single meeting. And like, we're like, they're like, well, she, why is she here? You know, <laughs> right. You know, um, but then there was a, like a fair or something like that locally. And she had a booth for her business. It was right next to the Toastmasters booth. Of course, they had Toastmasters booth to promote the club and everything. And this lady came over and talked to Joan, the, the, uh, the president I was mentioning, who was telling the story to me, that, you know, I would never be able to be here, standing here, giving out brochures and presenting my business to the community if it hadn't been for Toastmasters. And Joan was like, what? <laughs> you do Toastmasters? 
what she didn't say that, of course, but that's what she was thinking. But she was how much she had learned just from listening because she had a receptive mind. She was watching people present, watching their evaluators and learning from that. Even if she hadn't been able to get the courage to go do it herself yet, she did eventually. Right. But she had already learned so much just from sitting there. So that's why I always encourage people like, let people go at their own pace. Let, yep. let, let people have the time, develop the time, develop the comfort to move forward and encourage them to learn from wherever they are. So important, absolutely. but that two ears, one mouth thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. absolutely. Absolutely true. Well, so and cool. there's, there's so many little things like in the pathways program where you, you pick up all these, these little skills, these different things like, uh, you know, doing PR for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes that, that comes to mind immediately with, with what you're talking about here. Uh, it, yeah, yeah helps. It's, it's so useful. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Leading, leading meetings and being able to introduce people in a really concise manner yes. and welcome them to the lectern and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and everyone gets to be a little bit of a star, which that's <laughs> also kind of cool. Yes. You know, <laughs> that's a pretty neat, neat aspect as well. You Absolutely. You share your own flavor type of thing. Totally, totally. Um, so let's, and also like obviously doing podcasts is, is another skill that you develop in this as well. <laughs> Why we're doing this? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. It's an opportunity learning. to practice and learn and grow. Mm-hmm. But this particular podcast is actually hosted by the specifically the Nerd Masters Club. So, which is a new club that you were a charter member of and you jumped on board and you became kind of a, a key member, I believe. It's like part of the culture, you embody it really well and you connect to it really well and you kind of present, some of the best presentations I think we've had in Nerd Masters have been from you. Uh, so tell me a bit about your perception of Nerd Masters. What really drew, drew you to it in the first place and kind of your experience with Nerd Masters, what, what makes it feel unique to you and why do you like it well one of our members at bg's uh, reached out to me on facebook uh we were you know we were already we had already connected and you know so we see each other's posts on facebook and he he asked me he said he knew some people who were putting together a new club this was right at the beginning of of the pandemic that kind of Mm. dates this discussion a little bit but (laughs) at the beginning of all of this he said that they're putting together a group that will, will both help people with Zoom and also uh, have a lot of discussions with things like technology and fan, and to some extent, uh, apparently a lot of folks were you know nerdy or, or into a lot of different fandoms. And you're going check, 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 check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just wiggled that lure right in front of me. And I'm like, oh, how, okay, I'll, I'll check this out, I'll attend. And so I went to one of the early meetings and, immediately people were making star trek jokes and star wars jokes and making really deep cut references and that that's that's a place after my own heart i i love nerdy stuff I mean, as you can't tell from what's behind me I mean, we've got a, a pile of legos over here and a pile of comic books uh over here on this side you know <laughs> i love nerdy stuff in general and so that already was an appeal and then mm-hmm. when i found out it was also an opportunity to both teach people technology and to learn about technologies collectively as a group mm-hmm. i was already immediately hooked mm-hmm. it it let people 
this might be this might sound a little crass, but it let people it let their freak freak flag fly. You know, people could people could talk about these things without the judgment. In the same way that Toastmasters enable it, but with with their own personal nerddom, with their own their own geekdom, whatever whatever term you want to pick. And you know, it's not often I get to really talk too much about Star Wars with too many people. My wife's a Star Trek person, not a Star Wars person. Oh. So so I don't get to talk too much with her about Star Wars. Although I gotta say, she does love Baby Yoda, which is cool. Uh, Everybody loves Baby Yoda. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hard to avoid. It's <laughs> the big eyes and the big ears. Yeah, I obsess myself. But not just that, but also being able to learn things that I may have missed in other fandoms. To be able to hear people make Battlestar Galactica references, which I'm not very or hear people talk about things like Stargate and not just shows, not just shows. Uh, right. Also technologies. We have some really, really intelligent members who know about video editing and mm -hmm. video development, something that I know a little bit about. I can encode and decode videos as a web developer, but production and quality mm -hmm. and manipulating your environment and all those little soft skills and all those little nuances. Mm -hmm. Every every day I learn something new at a Nerdmasters meeting, yep. and that that for me is the most important thing. Is I want to learn something new. I want to grow as a person, and Nerdmasters provides that through yeah. and through. Awesome, I love that. And it is a really key part of our culture is that whenever Nerdmasters come together, everybody comes with something new and something cool. Absolutely, it's, it's a ton of fun. It is a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. I actually bring you up as an example of that regularly because i remember that game that we played of among us and we ended up hanging out afterwards and discussing philosophy afterwards and swapping book titles it was so much fun <laughs> absolutely oh my gosh yes that was and, and on top of that you you know when you when you meet these when you meet people at these meetings yeah like you said we, we played among us together as i mentioned yeah. in DGs, i started playing D, &D with one of mm -hmm. uh, my my associates there mm -hmm. and you become friends you, you learn about each other's interests and when we played Among Us, you got to see a touch of how I deceive people. You know, I got to see how you deceive people. And, and right. it's a safe environment. And just like Nerdmasters is a safe environment to practice speech and things like that, when you make new friends, you can... I love gaming, obviously. In these games, you can use it as an opportunity to, to learn about each other in a way that maybe you wouldn't do normally in real life. I, I try to be open and honest, you know, day to day. But in games or when we're playing weird scenarios or when we're doing a a table topic speech where we have to make up a scenario it all these things let you try a new approach and maybe be maybe see how you could be deceptive without actually hurting anyone's feelings which if you've ever played risk uh, uh -huh. you can hurt someone's feelings real quick if you're deceptive and you, you play it wrong. you promised me you wouldn't attack europe <laughs> yeah oh my gosh <laughs> clearly i love board games as well <laughs> So, John, before we were starting, you were showing us your office and all the lighting and all the things. Tell us a little bit more about what you have there. Oh, uh, yeah. So this, this, I think, comes back to all of the technology and the discussion we were having earlier about that. Yes, I, I was inspired by Short Circuit to get into this stuff, to be able to be a builder. And it, it did take me through a lot of my life. But nowadays, I like to try to... I, I, tend to consider myself a lifestyle programmer. What I mean by that is, you may have heard of Internet of Things, uh, which are devices that are usually connected to the internet, and with a touch of a button, you can manipulate your environment. 
uh, with different colors in my case, or mm -hmm. perhaps you want to only turn on your lights at a certain time of day. Uh, it's a great way to save money mm -hmm. on uh, energy, for example. That's the practical use for this sort of thing. I can have these lights come on right when I come downstairs to get to work, and then I can have them automatically turn off at some point during the day or have a timer set to turn them off. So even if I've left them on accidentally, they'll just automatically turn off. Uh, that sort of thing is, in my opinion, a huge game changer for, for just generally living uh, day to day. I, energy costs are insane, especially when you when you deal with a lot of programming and have a computer that's you know a rig as as a game would call it. My computer consumes a ton of power, and during the winter, my bill blew my mind. For those who don't know, this is the first time I've ever owned a house, and it turns out the power bills for owning a house are much higher than an apartment. Uh, so, I, so I use these smart devices to both mitigate and, and save some money, and just for general fun. As you saw, the colors in the room, I can change them. Sometimes I'll, I'll set the room to like blue light and then turn on my black lights, and it'll let me further highlight the things on my desks. You, you can't see it right now, but actually, let's, let's have a little fun with it. If I go to my lights here and I say, let's look at my back window and turn on that switch, you'll see a black light turn on right there. Okay. That, that black light actually has glowing resin right next to it. So if you if you were in my office, you'd see that glowing resin light up. Now that's not very dramatic, but if I go back to my media corner on the other side, oh, cool. see, I have potion bottles. <laughs> yeah. Ah! That may just seem like interesting to look at and be kind of cool, but there's a touch of, there's a touch of practicality a little bit. Like I said, I play Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I'm going to turn my lights back on because this is, uh, it's, it's rather dark in here. It's getting eerie. <laughs> I'm trying to set, I'd rather not set a, uh, a creepy mood. But with those potion bottles, I will run a D&D game every other Friday and I'll have different things turn on. I'll have the lights change as I'm playing so that the person running the game, you know, if the lights turn red, oh no, is he angry? Is he, is he being... Is he being weird? Is he doing something? Uh, and I've actually had my my, team, my players in my game speak up and say, oh, the lights turned purple. What does that mean? <laughs> and, and just the other day, because I'm also playing in a game, another one of my, a, a person I just met, a friend of mine, he he comes on camera and he has lights that rotate in color. So we were both kind of playing around with our lights at the same time as playing. And it was like a knowing nod. It was really funny in my opinion. <laughs> and it it's a cool feature and uh it has a, it has a couple of practical purposes we my wife after seeing the amount of control we can do on this she she asked do you want to put some dome lights out in front of the house and then play with the colors during different seasons so for valentine's day we could have pink lights for christmas red and green or, or blue and different shades of white and i i love the idea i want yeah. to do that. So it's it's a it's a supplement or an accent to, to Christmas lights. Uh, in the case of my monitors, you can't see them because obviously my monitor's right here. <laughs> but behind my monitors, there's one light each. And I, taking it back to the whole programming thing, I actually built a program that looks at your screen, takes five points on the screen, takes the dominant color, and then sets the backlight to that dominant color. 
So you'll be watching something like if you ever seen the movie Avatar, for example, oh, uh, yes. it's the first one I think of because I'm like, what's a movie? What's a movie with a really rich color palette? Mm-hmm. Well, Avatar is deep blues and bright greens and these bright colors. Mm-hmm. So when you're watching the movie, and when I'm watching the movie on my monitors, the monitor with Avatar on it would turn blue when the scene turns blue. So that mm-hmm. the environment changes, and therefore, <laughs> if there's mood lighting in the movie, or the director or writer is trying to convey something that's extended to the room I'm in and yeah there's not a lot of you know functionally practical need for something like that but it's cool it creates an ambience and it creates it creates mood and I find myself sometimes if I'm feeling a little if I'm feeling one way maybe I'm feeling upset or sad maybe I just watched a sad movie I might start playing with the lights and, and make the colors different blues are a cooling color they've been shown to uh, make people feel calmer. Reds are red is a color mm-hmm. of passion. Red cars get pulled over more by the police. There's documented proof. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. I set the color to red in here. It 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 almost feels like I, I will get a little more motivated. I'll move a little faster. Uh, pink pink makes people calm, but uh, depending on the situation, maybe more passionate. You can play with these colors and do things, and it it makes me feel like I'm in more control of my environment. And so I, it's a, it's a simple example. There are other tools I, I work with. I'm, I'm programming a little uh, knockoff Alexa called Mycroft that you can make little skills for where it, you could say, hey, Mycroft, uh, tell me the amount of calories in this food. And it'll, it'll tell me, and then I can put it in my calorie counter app. So, so there's real practical benefits to these technologies. And I know a lot of people are scared of Skynet taking over and destroying everything. Sky, you know, the Terminator reference, what the machines will take over. But you can do these things offline. You don't need to connect to the internet to do this stuff. These lights, they're online right now, but I'm in the process of bringing them offline because, well, when the internet goes out, suddenly I lose all my cool controls and I have to use the light switch like a, like a plebeian. (laughs) (laughs) You bring this up. This is really, this is really, I think important actually, particularly thinking about, you know, the focus of nerd masters being how we explore the intersection of technology and communication leadership and nerdly pop culture. Right. And this particular intersection, I think is actually really key because one of the challenges that we face when we come online we talked about this in, in our other podcast that we did together <laughs> is you know our environments right because we lose a sense of connection we're not all in the same room here together right uh we're interfaced through these flat screens and so there's kind of a disconnect and also homogenization of a sense of place because i do everything through the same computer right but when you're able to do this kind of thing where you're changing your extending the theme of whatever you're interacting with into the environment mm-hmm. right you're creating more of a distinction of place yes it, it which is, is so critical personalized. yes and, and that's that's part of being human that's how we interact with things we think with our environment we don't just think with the, what's in our skulls we think with our bodies we think with our place the the light, the music, uh, the shape of the room, all influence and guide and, and uh, synergize with how we think our thoughts. Mm-hmm. So when we take those things into consideration and we bring them underneath our control, we're better able to actually work with that instead of having to just go by the default settings. <laughs> well, and that's, 
that that trickles down to how you convey yourself to others. Mm-hmm. When I'm in meetings, when I'm in Zoom meetings, or when I'm in Teams meetings with my coworkers, I don't want my lights at maximum brightness. When we were setting up today, you saw my face light up and be all reflective. Of light. I'm using hair on light bulb. Yeah, yeah. I, I struggle I'm, with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I'm using this, you know, this 50% snow white color, which I mean, that's not important to you, but what is important is that my face is, you can see me, you can see yes. what I'm doing in your expressions. And, exactly. And when I'm in a meeting with my coworkers, not only do they need to see my expression or need to know, uh, well, they'd like to see what I'm see- what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. I want to show myself in somewhat of a professional capacity. Mm-hmm. There's, it's, it's like dressing appropriately for work. You, yes. you may have to dress a certain way for work. Well, I want my room to look a certain way for work. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have my purple or red lights on during a work meeting, <laughs> but I'm also not going to have the lights on on their default. My light's default is a bright yellow light that's almost daylight level. And when I'm at work, I, I set it to a medium setting. So that way I can see my coworkers and they can see me and see that I'm, I'm trying to be considerate. And mm-hmm. it's, it's little, it's these little tiny nuances that make a huge make difference. The, yeah. They make, they make the technology palatable. Mm-hmm. People, people by nature don't like change. No one likes jumping onto Zoom meetings right away. I finally got used to it after two years, but uh, it was not an easy transition initially. And I found that setting this stuff up, it, it made me feel like I had a modicum of control. It made me feel like I could have a little more fun with it. And sometimes I can show off a little and people will say, how did you do that? And because I'm a technologist, I can say, well, do you want to learn to program? And this isn't me just speculating. This literally happens last week uh it's it's happened several times but last week was the most recent one of my friends asked you know hey how do you how do you make new cool commands for linux just offhand and i was like well do you want to learn to get new commands or do you want to learn to make your own and when he's like well i'm willing to make my own i'd like to learn to make my own i i took him through the rabbit hole of how to set up a programming environment and how to create a really basic program a hello world program and uh, then I told him, hey, I will give you a tutorial of all the basics uh, in a day and a half. If you'll just let me, if you'll give me some time, I'll type up some information and uh, send it to you. And so I, I made a copy of Blackjack. I made a, a simple console version of the game Blackjack, <laughs> sent it to him. And he's been studying that. And he's already learning how to program. He's never been a programmer. He's, he's an IT guy. He knows computers. He's done some like college level stuff back in the day. But this is almost 20 years ago and so the stuff i'm showing him is new and modern knowledge and he can use it to do all the stuff i'm doing and i want that i want people to know how to do all this because you know if you've ever used excel if you can process a ton of data that way well programming is the same way if you got a list of people and you want to add a bunch of information uh, you can make a script to do it and it sounds intimidating but if you have someone to hold your hand through it you can you can do things you never thought possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, my own personal, one of my personal favorites was uh, there was two DVDs worth of star chart data I downloaded, and I was able to loop through it and get the coordinates of every star in the known sky at the time. Uh, this was, 50, you know, almost ten years ago now, eight, <laughs> seven or eight years ago, and it's I have programming to thank for that. It's cool. it, it supplements your passions. That's why I'm so passionate about it. Is mm-hmm. you can you can make things better. <laughs> 
Technology augments and in its proper place, it supplements and augments humanity. Absolutely. And something I like to say is find a need, fill a need. Uh, there's always something that needs to be done, whether it's uh, building a house or you know cleaning something or saving money. Saving money is a huge motivator. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm and I'm still I still constantly use this stuff. I'm trying to model the the aquifer under my town right now, so I can see how the water flows, so I can fix the seeping in my basement optimally. Wow. And so, again, it's a real practical example that I could not do without programming. I, I, yeah. I mean, I could draw it and put it on graph paper, but that wouldn't really take me very far. I can't manipulate the data. I can't ask it what it's going to do on paper. I can't like try to predict the flows of water. But with a computer, I can do that with uh, technology. And so, uh, yeah, I'm uh, hugely passionate about it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is awesome. And I have a question going back. You mentioned short circuit a couple of times. So I was wondering, did you ever actually build a robot? Well, I built all the component pieces. So I've, I've learned to build servos. So, you know, the little joints, the little joint ball joint pieces. I have a, I mentioned Mycroft, this uh, knockoff Alexa. It's open source. That's why, by the way, that's, a, a, as, a, as a proponent of technology, open source is huge. It allows many people, it basically just means uh, publicly available code. You make code publicly available for everybody's benefit at no cost. And, uh, but yes, I, I, so I built Mycroft, which is essentially would be the brain of that. Uh, me and my wife today, no joke today, we're at a thrift store and we saw an old, tablet attached to a, a pole so it was like a terminal and she goes we should put that on a Roomba and make it a robot and <laughs> so we know how to do it um but I haven't built a Johnny Five or a, a short not quite yet robot. Um, I built a Lego model of one I did end up building that Lego model a while back but I had to sell it that years ago uh these days I would like to build a robot but I don't know how far I'd want to take it and I'd have to find a use for it Mm -hmm. I, there's so many little things I want to build mm -hmm. that, again, I, I keep coming back to practicality. If I can't find something to do with it, then it just kind of sits and gathers dust. And that's that's my biggest fear with a lot of stuff. You know, I'm, I got a keyboard right here that I'm constantly trying to learn to play. And if it starts <laughs> to gather dust, I, I get on my own case about it. It's, it's the same with the idea of the robot. So, I mean, that's my long answer is saying, no, I haven't actually built a fully functional. <laughs> well, when you do, we are going to have to build an, have an entire Nerd Masters meeting themed around robotics mm -hmm. and technology and have you be the keynote speaker. Yeah, there's <laughs> a practical application and that, that motivates me. Yeah. There you go. We'll think of that carrot for you. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And I'll, I'll, I'll even program little sound effects from Short Circuit just to add a little secret. There you go. <laughs> yes. I love it. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us on this podcast. Uh, we will yes. definitely uh, look forward to seeing you in Nerdmasters again. And for all you listeners, you want to get to know John, Sherry, and I better, come join Nerdmasters. Come check us out. Uh, visit. Uh, we're having lots of fun with a huge range of of meeting topics, everything from you know, technology, uh, Zoom, how how to do Toastmasters contests, <laughs> like we talked about today. A lot of topics today get, bring up, get brought up very regularly on Nerdmasters. So thank you guys so much uh, for joining us today. Whether you identify as a gamer, 
technology nut or just have a commitment to studying how technology is changing and improving both leadership and communication, our Nerd Herd has a place for you. Find out more about us at our website, nerdmasters.org. Join us the first Wednesday of each month at 7 o'clock Pacific and get to know us before our meeting starts promptly at 7.30. You will visit our club and enjoy it. Resistance is futile. Game over.